Today's scripture reading is from the book of Esther. Now last week I gave you some hints that help you find that little short book of James in the New Testament, and today I'll tell you how to find Esther. You already know how to find the book of Psalms. You kind of open your Bible in the middle, and that usually will be the Psalms, right? Well, before the Psalms is the book of Job, and before that, there's Esther. Now, if you get back to Nehemiah or Ezra, do, do what we call a legal U-turn and go forward a few pages to Esther. If we just started with the verses that the lectionary reading plan scheduled for today, you would feel like you had missed half the story of Esther. You'd be dropped down in the middle and you wouldn't understand what had gone on before. So let me, let me kind of summarize what happened er in the earlier chapters. Or as they say on television, previously on. <laughs> now if I were to tell you that almost all the books in the Bible that have a person's name were named for men, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Job, Nehemiah, Isaiah, and so on, you might say, wait just a minute. What about the women? But it's true, there are only two books in the Bible that are named for women, Ruth and Esther. Now with the book named for her, you might just know that Esther is the hero of the book. Although if you're some sort of ancient language specialist, you would say, now wait just a minute, because you'd have some doubts. Esther is not a Hebrew name. It's a Persian name means star nonetheless in chapter 1 we meet King Asahurus and his queen Vashti Vashti does not make it to the second chapter Asahurus is the Persian name for the king whose Greek name was Xerxes he was the son of Darius who tried several times to conquer Greece but his fleet was destroyed by a storm in 492. And in about 490 B.C., the Athenians defeated his army at a place called Marathon, which is where they invented long-distance running. <laughs> Marathon. Well, when Darius died in 486 B.C., Xerxes became the next king. He was only 35 when he became king, but he'd already governed Babylonia for a dozen years. So the first chapter of Esther tells us that King Asahurus, also known as Xerxes, he ruled more than 127 provinces from India to Ethiopia. Well, the king has a seven-day banquet. Now you may think, well, at least pre-COVID, Berea had a lot of banquets. We had a good meal every month pretty much, right? But there are ten banquets in the ten chapters of this book of Esther. So King Asahurus throws a 180-day banquet. I know you're saying, wait just a minute, that's a lot of dishwashing and a whole lot of casseroles to fix. Even Ronnie would run out of recipes by then. <laughs> but then that six-month, 180-day banquet is followed by a seven-day banquet. And after a whole lot of feasting, and I get the idea of a whole lot of drinking going on, the king sends Queen Vashti a message saying, Honey, come on out here and put on your crown and show all the fellas what a good-looking queen I've got. 
And she says, I don't think so. And doesn't come. Well, the king does not take that no well at all. Nor do the fellows at the banquet. The advisors to the king tell him, no, this is in the Bible. Not only has Queen Vashti done wrong to the king, but also to all the officials and all the peoples who are in all the provinces of King Asahurus. For this deed of the queen will be made known to all women, causing them to look with contempt on their husbands, since they will say, well, King Asahurus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, and she didn't come. This very day the noble ladies of Persia and Medea who have heard of the queen's behavior will rebel against the king's official and there will be no end of contempt and wrath. So the king makes a law. All women will give honor to their husbands and every man should be master in their own house. Now some of y'all might say, wait just a minute too, like Vashti, right? But before someone else says, Amen. Let me remind you, this is a heathen country. <laughs> so Vashti, the brave, she really was brave. She is banished. And they decide to have a beauty contest. Really? A beauty contest? A year-long beauty contest to find a replacement. I know this sounds like some sort of a Gershwin musical, doesn't it? A farce. Then, in chapter 2, we meet two Jews, Mordecai and Hadassah. They're exiles. They've been carried away from Jerusalem by the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. Mordecai is older than his orphan cousin, so he adopts her and raises her like a daughter. This beautiful girl whose Hebrew name is Hadassah and whose Persian name is Esther. Surprise, the beautiful Esther wins the beauty contest. She becomes the queen. But because she has both brains and beauty, she takes advice of her wise cousin Mordecai, and she does not tell her husband the king or anybody else at the palace, by the way, I'm Jewish. Well, there's one other character you need to know about in this story. Haman. He's basically the prime minister or chief of staff of Persia, right? Haman gets very angry when one day Mordecai does not bow down to him like he's told everybody to do. He's so angry that Haman plots to do away not only with Mordecai, I'm going to kill that man, but with all the Jewish people. He hates them all. So Hey, sneaky Haman, he tricks the king, who's not really forward thinking, he tricks the king into issuing a proclamation that will accomplish exa exactly that, to kill all the Jews. Then Mordecai challenges Esther to risk her life, to save her people and herself. Well, let me explain how she risked her life. If you're like me, you despise, I just hate having your day uninterrupted by door-to-door -door salespeople or robocallers who want to sell you burial insurance or extend your car warranty. Your balls come across our desk. <laughs> or give money to something you don't really want to give to. Well, King Asaharis, he, he didn't just hate interruptions. He had the power to do something about it. 
So his rule was if you showed up in his throne room uninvited, you were going to be dead. No exceptions. Even for the queen. But she went in to see him even knowing that she put her life at risk if he did not accept her coming in. Well, she goes in and he asks, What's on your mind, honey? And she invited her to something she knew he'd go for, a banquet. <laughs> and now we get to the story for today. So listen now for the Word of God and the book of Esther. And we'll begin in chapter 7. And you see from your bulletin there, verses in 7 and then later in 9. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. On the second day, as they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, What is your petition, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to half my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. <coughs> then Queen Esther answered, If I have won your favor, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be given me. That is my petition. And the lives of my people, that is my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have held my peace. But no enemy can compensate for this damage to the king. Then King Asahara said to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he and who has presumed to do this? And Esther said, A foe, an enemy, the wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. Then Harbana, one of the eunuchs of the attendants to the king, said, Look, the very gallows Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose, whose word had saved the king. The gallows stands at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. That's what, 80-something, about 80 feet high? And the king said, Hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the anger of the king abated. And then moving to the ninth chapter. Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Azahurus, both near and far, enjoining them that they should keep the 14th month of Adar and also the 15th day of the same month, year by year, and let me interject, that's around March 15th, you know, his birthday, right in there, as the days in which Jews gained relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness, from mourning into a holiday, that they should make these days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another, and presence for the poor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Right about now, you might be thinking, wait just a minute, because you may be one. What is this book about a beautiful orphan girl who becomes queen and saves her people? What's this story got to do with you and me? Good question. Well, let me tell you. 
First, this book of Esther is about people who are called to live faithfully in an unfaithful and sometimes openly hostile world. Like Esther and Mordecai, you and I are we're called to live faithfully in an unfaithful and sometimes openly hostile world. This book of Esther is one of two books in the Bible that do not mention God by name at all. The other one is called Song of Songs. In Esther, the king of Persia is mentioned 190 times, but the God of Israel, not once. In fact, there are no laws, no miracles, no prayers in the book of Esther. Not one. None. There's not much kindness, mercy, or forgiveness there either. Most of the people described in the book are vengeful, bloodthirsty, chauvinistic. Intrigue, deceit, and hatred abound in this book. So where is God in this book? Slap dab in the middle. God may not be named in the book of Esther, but God is there because God is everywhere. The writer of Psalm 139 poetically put it this way. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle in the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. Wherever you are, wherever you are, God is with you. Surely it was the province of, providence of Almighty God that gave this orphan girl Esther a wise and generous cousin to adopt her, to raise her. God also gave Esther the beauty that won the heart of the king. God put Esther in a position to save the Jews in exile, and God gave her the courage to carpe diem, as they say, to seize the day. God gave Mordecai the wisdom to ask her the right question at just the right time. You can read it in the fourth chapter of Esther. He said, who knows? Perhaps you have come to royal dignity for just such a time as this. Esther listened to her wise cousin's challenge, risking her very life. Esther spoke up in a way that saved herself, her family, and the Jewish people. God has given you and me gifts and opportunities too. He didn't give us all beauty, but he gave us all kinds of different gifts. And we have all kinds of opportunities. But the question is whether we will acknowledge those gifts, whether we'll be alert to recognize our opportunities that God has placed in our lives, whether we will have the courage to speak up, to act in faith. You may be the one to give voice to Mordecai's question, or you may be the one to answer. Who knows? Perhaps you have come to this position in your life for just such a time as this.
Thanks be to God.